I feel like I need to make sure that something like this is said every year. I don't get on a soapbox and bang the Bible over. The Lord's never let me do it. Not that I wouldn't want to necessarily. But when I grew up, which doesn't seem like that long ago, but according to our society, it looks like it was 200 years ago. But when I was growing up, you wouldn't have found, and don't take this judgmentally, let me explain myself, but you wouldn't have found a believer at a Mardi Gras parade when I was growing up. It had been like, if you went, you definitely put a mask on or something because you didn't want to get caught. But I've seen such a shift in not what we believe audibly, but what we believe physically. And so when I was growing up, um, the way my, my parents and everybody taught me was where do we lift our hands? We lift our hands in worship because we want to receive something from the Lord. And when I'm at a parade, I'm lifting my hands. I'm receiving something from a float. But see, the problem is, is that our explanation of things kind of stopped at a very trivial level. We never really got any further into it. And what I usually tell people who struggle with it is I ask them to go read James chapter 3, which says, talks about the power in, of the tongue. And we understand that as we read scripture, how much power what we say has in it, right? And that Jesus says that we could say to this mountain, be cast into the sea and it will be done. When we speak the name of Jesus, demons tremble. When we, when we declare something in his name, it's done according to his father in heaven, our father in heaven. And so what I usually tell people to do is just take a minute and research the name of the parade you want to go to. Just check the name out. Let's give you an example. So I grew up in church, right, and I didn't. You know, I, I was, I think I went to one Mardi Gras parade in my entire life. My grandmother and I got run over by a crazed person trying to get the specific token for the parade. We fell into the street. I actually rolled into the float path, and my uncle had to grab me with one hand out the street so I didn't get run over by the float. This is a true story. And because of this, my mom's niece, my oldest cousin, beats up the woman who knocked my grandma, like they get in this big old fist fight, and this is at a family-friendly event, of course, you know, hallelujah. <laughs> but um, I didn't go to another parade again until I was 17. I was running from Jesus. I was backslidden, and I was in the marching band because my band director asked me to be. I wasn't actually in the marching band. I was playing saxophone. And um, she's like, hey, I need a favor. Can you play? I'm like, sure. I'm, I'm not, and in my mind, I'm not going to them. I'm marching them, you know, whatever. And I still think if you're going to march in them, that's the safest place to be at a parade is actually marching because all the police are around you. But anyway, and we're, we're marching in, and we're marching in the, the parade Aphrodite in Chalmette. It was a Friday night, and our, our band had won the competition the weekend before. And so we were right behind the, the float in front of us, but Aphrodite didn't have a king. Aphrodite just had a queen because it's a goddess, a Greek goddess. And so we're right behind this float, and I had never witnessed this before, right? And so we, we were stopped, and they, we stopped playing. The whole parade comes to a stop, and the parish president of St. Bernard Parish stands up and says, Hail Aphrodite, may you have your rule and reign in our city for the next 24 hours. 
Would you like to know what Aphrodite is? Aphrodite is the goddess of sex and lust. So the highest governmental authority of our parish stood up and gave Aphrodite the authority to reign and rule. And I can, I would have to get graphic to explain to you how that actually, we got to see part of that happen in the process of the parade. And so if we believe that there's power in our life and death in our tongue, there's power in what we say, and if we believe that angels are real, which everybody believes angels are real, and that Jesus is real and that heaven is real, then since 1 Corinthians 14.33 says that our God is not a God of disorder but a God of order, so if there's light, there must be darkness. If there's good, there must be evil. So if we believe in heaven and hell and angels, then there are demons and there's principalities and there's powers and there's strongholds and they have names and one of them happens to be Aphrodite. The Greeks actually worshipped demonic entities. And here we are all week long giving our city. It'll happen today. Every Look at every parade. It's, it's part of the celebration that takes place. They will all be hailed by a governing authority. And we wonder why our city is known for what it is, the chaos that it has. For example, the one float in the one crew in Chalmette is called Nemesis. I just don't understand. Like I have this nemesis. He's trying to kill me, but I'm gonna hail him. Call the thing joy or something. My God, do like something. Let's not pick like a less obvious bad guy name other than Nemesis with a skull on it, and we wonder why people in Chalmette are ODing every 15 minutes. So I say this has nothing to do with my message. I'm not getting on the soapbox. I just want you to understand. And listen, if you go to a parade tomorrow, don't get shot. Like, do your thing, right? I'm not judging you. I'm just letting you know what you're getting yourself involved in. I don't want to be the Holy Spirit. I just want to make sure you know what he says about this. Because it's, believe it or not, it is not my job to control your life. It's my job to teach you how to obey you and submit your life to him. And so please don't do things out of fear of me catching you because I'm a lot smaller than just about everybody in here. And I really can't do anything to you. <laughs> but he can. And if I don't tell you what needs to be said, he'll have a lot to tell me when I get there one day. So I'm definitely not going to run the risk of him being disappointed in me because I was too nervous to tell you something uncomfortable about New Orleans. Amen. <laughs> Open your Bibles to First Thessalonians. I got a lot to say and a little bit of time to say it. Bless the Lord. My message even says, watch your time with 10 exclamation points. Worship went long, and I preached a five-minute sermon on Mardi Gras. I didn't listen to myself, obviously. But 1 Thessalonians 5, last week we started our second of the core values here, the E's, right? We've got engage, which we engage God, we engage each other, and we engage the lost. We engage the community. That's the first thing we do. We are constantly being intentional with what we are doing as a believer because the Holy Spirit is in us and he doesn't do things by accident. And if he doesn't do things by accident, then neither should I. Amen. And last week we started on encouraging. We talked about comforting each other in this verse of scripture we read last week. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also also are doing. And last week we focused on comfort and we kind of know what comfort is. And we talked about how we do that. And that's through the word, truth, and our testimony. But today we're going to go to the second word, which is edify, which is a little more fun to preach on. Because the word edify means to promote growth, to build, to erect, to be a house builder. That's what the word edify means. So it says to comfort and edify. 
So it is literally saying that we are to comfort each other and build each other. Now, I want you to notice something. It doesn't say build up. Build up is I'm coming up and I see Joe's having a bad day. I want to inc- lift Joe up. I want to build Joe up. That's not what that word is. Build is I'm intentionally coming to you and I am involved in your construction as a believer. Now go back to the verse from 1 Thessalonians 5. Therefore comfort each other and edify one another. Look at this last little phrase here. Just as you also are doing. Paul is writing this under the presupposition that it is already being done. I would like to let you know that it is not in most cases. This is not intentionally being done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word and your presence. I pray that you'd go before me today. You'd prepare every heart. You'd soften every heart for the seed to come. (coughs) I pray that it would fall on good ground, that you would cause us to be more like you, to edify and build each other up. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. I've never built a house. If I ever offer, don't let me. Unless I'm giving you money for it, and I don't have a whole lot of that either. But you definitely don't want me building nothing. But I do know this, is that every house that gets built has plans. Nobody just wakes up one day, goes to Home Depot, buys some wood and some screws, and just starts building something. Like, that's just not, let's just, let's build a room. Let's build another room in a hallway. It doesn't happen. There's a specific process that goes into building a house. And so there are plans made, and the fact that there are plans made means that there was an architect involved. And there are... There are guidelines and there are codes and there are rules involved in this process that absolutely have to be followed if the house is going to work, right? And I'm, I'm letting you know this morning that, that when we're building something, there are architectural plans and there was an architect. And he laid it out for us and he gives us all the responsibility of being involved in the construction of each other. But what tends to happen is we focus so much on the first part of this verse, comfort, that we never edify. Because, see, comfort is, Nick, you did a great job this morning. Edify is, Nick, you could have did this better. We're all good with the comfort. Tell me I'm good. I mean, comfort food, literally. Our our whole region is built on the idea of food that makes us feel good. It's our entire society. Down here is built on it. When this part says to edify, to build each other up, you've heard the statement, you've become like the five people you spend the most time with, right? If the five people you spend the most time with are only comforting you, you're going to be lazy, you're going to be boring, and you're not going to accomplish who God wants you to be. You're just going to be comfortable all the time. But if you're only around people who are trying to build you, you're going to be jagged, you're going to be rigid, and you're going to be mean. No, I need people who are doing both consistently and intentionally. Now, I want, to sh- I want to read you some scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. God, I mean, Paul here, through the Holy Spirit, is dealing with the church in Corinth because they're having divisions. They're saying, I'm of Apollos. Well, I'm of Paul. And, and Paul's like, that's dumb. Stop doing that. And he writes this letter in chapter 3, and he says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, and you are God's building. This verse identifies a you and a we. Which one is us? It identifies a you and identifies a we. You 
for we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, and you are God's building. If you read this at surface level, it gives the impression that Paul is saying we, as in the apostles, are God's fellow workers, and you, as the church in Corinth, are the field in God's building. And that's the impression that you kind of get when you read it, but I want to let you know that that's not actually what is being said here. We are all God's field and God's building because we are all redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We all needed to be saved from sin, built, tilled, watered, and eventually harvested. We all are being built and worked on. I am not where I want to be, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. People are still building in me and being used by God to develop me. And see, what most people might not realize is somebody give me water. Is that my water? Or did you, is that yours? Can somebody give me a water? <clears throat> what most people might not realize is the, the, the more spiritual authority you have in like this setting, in a church setting, the harder it is to find people who will cut on you. The harder it is. And so when you're, when you're kind of coming up in church and you're newer to the body, everybody thinks they can cut on you because they've been here longer than you, right? Everybody thinks that's the case. What's significantly more difficult to do is when you reach a spot where, look, I've been serving the Lord 30 years, and in Shelmet, that's like almost one of the oldest. Right in here might be one of the oldest, right? Because I've just been serving since I was five. I genuinely got born again at five. You can disagree with me if you want. You weren't there. So it's okay. But that's when it happened. He decided to show up and put me in a bubble at five years old in Fort Worth, Texas. And I came out the bubble speaking in tongues at five. I didn't make it up. I didn't know how to fake it. That's just what happened. And I've never been the same since, right? I got born again at five. I'm 35. Due to math, that's 30, right? But the thing is, is that the, the, my age in Christ is not what makes it difficult. My position in the kingdom is what gives it a struggle sometimes because people are like, I don't really know if I can cut on him. So what I got to do is I got to intentionally put myself in positions to be cut on. But see, who doesn't usually do that is people who are still growing and they're still becoming more like Jesus. They don't intentionally look for it. Now, I'm here to tell you that I'm still getting cut on. I had lunch two Mondays ago. Yeah, two Mondays ago with Pastor Rick Powden. And I'm going to just tell you right now, I was bleeding when I left. Not physically, emotionally, and mentally. I was bleeding when I left. Why? Because I got to find myself somebody who's going to get in my business and tell me where I'm being stupid. Because I'm no different than anybody in this room. I need just as much Jesus as you do. Shoot, I might need more of him than you do. We don't know. I mean, I probably do. We're going to be real. Because people are dumb. Right? But, but if we are all God's field and God's building, who are the fellow workers? It's supposed to be us. We're supposed to be both. You got the field in the building, which is being worked on, and you have the worker who's doing the work. And see what happens in the body of Christ, and the enemy is good at this. He wants and he aims to get believers to identify as one or the other and stay there. See, if I stay as the field, I'm always a project. I'm always struggling my life is always getting me down. I'm always battling fear. I'm always battling depression. I can never seem to get it right. I can never get out of my own way. I can't seem to worship. I can't seem to pray. Every phone call, every text, that just weighs me down. And you guys watched Pooh Bear when you were younger? You kids ever? You remember Eeyore? Eeyore, right? 
look like rain. It's gonna rain. It's Eeyore. There's so many people in a church who are Eeyore. We ain't got enough tickers. We got a whole bunch of Eeyores in a church. Where everybody's just gonna rain. I can't pay my bills. God won't send me a spouse. All the different things are wrong with me. Can't do nothing for the Lord. Cause I'm a project still. And I do my best, but I'm going to mistake. So I'm just going to stop trying and just pray I go to heaven one day. Bless God. Y'all laughing because you know I'm right. You know I'm right. Then there's the other side, the people who stay being in the field, they're the project. Then there's the others who only focus on being the worker. Who they've reached, they've got a couple victories under their belt. They've got some pretty cool testimonies. They've seen God do some things. They can, they've memorized about eight scriptures with the verse, right, with, with, the, with the reference on the end. Like, let's play the, the game, and it don't count unless you have the reference, too. Well, I lost. Well, I didn't, <laughs> right? Like, that's what it's going to be. And they, they're constantly a worker, and so what ends up happening is no one likes to talk to them because every conversation turns into some type of, well, let me tell you this, sister. Let me tell you this, brother. And the bottom line is that we need people who are willing to build this because not everybody's willing to do that. Not everybody's willing to say, hey, you know. Eh. But most of the time, those are few and far between. There were a lot more people who are Eeyore than are willing to get in your business. Thankfully, because if everybody was easily the, the builder and the guy doing all the work, we'd be getting, you had fistfights in church every week. You ain't going to tell me nothing. What about this in your life? What about this in your life? It's like we never read the scripture. You have to spec out your own eye before you talk about the log in your brothers, right? Or the log in your eye, spec in your brothers, right? We don't, we don't think that that's the case. Well, you need to stop doing this. Well, you need to stop doing this. Shh. Just stop doing all of it. Cling to the grace of God and be thankful that you're not still busting hell wide open and you're better than you used to be. And while we're doing that, hey, can I help you stop doing what you're doing instead of you need to stop doing what you're doing? I'm supposed to be building you. You're supposed to be building me. Why? Why would this be the case? Because he knows that there are going to be things that you have walked through that I have not walked through. And there are things that I have walked through that you have not walked through yet. And since we overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb, it's important that we have a relationship. And I can constantly put myself intentionally in the position of the learner, of the student, of the project so that I can learn what I've got to learn. I have not raised a teenager yet. I've pastored hundreds of them, but I have never had one living in my house. And from what I hear, it's fun. There are people in Chalmette who have been saved less than six months, but they have already raised teenagers. Would you like to know who I would be open to hearing some advice from when I have teenagers? 
Anybody who loves Jesus and has raised teenagers, I don't care how big the churches are. I don't care how popular I might be as a preacher. I'm going to need somebody to build on me so that I can be who God has called me to be in a season I've never been in before. The moment that we think we are above being built by anybody but the pastor is spiritual pride, and you better repent before God causes you to fall. Do not allow that to be the case. Now, how... Does he do it? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm moving quickly. Go to Ephesians 4. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the edifying of the body. The reason he gives these gifts, this is going to be a controversial theological statement. The reason he gives these gifts are not to beat the devil. The reason he gives these gifts are to edify, to encourage, and to equip you and me to go defeat him. But what happens is we think somebody's sick, let's call the pastor. No, the pastor should have built you up enough that when somebody's sick, you go pray. But no, and rush to the hospital. Now, I want to know if somebody's in the hospital, right? But I live a little bit from here. I mean, I'm on the other side of St. Bernard. Like, I'm on the down-the-road side of St. Bernard. Like, that's, that's a minute. <clears throat> if you get rushed to the hospital, I'm going to be late. I'm going to let you know right now. I'm going to be late. But you know who won't? Most everybody else in this room. But if I present an atmosphere or create a culture where I'm the only one that moves in the anointing and the power, y'all are all going to be waiting around in the waiting room for me to show up, and I'm going to be late. No, but the whole point is he gave some to the apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists to equip the body and to edify the saints for the working of the ministry. My job is to make sure you know that the same spirit rolling around in me that's allowing me to preach under the anointing right now is the same spirit rolling around on the inside of you. And when a situation arises, you don't need me because you've got him. But I have to build that in you because, you see, something happens to people when they look at this thing. And if you stand on this side of it, you're just different. No, no, this is not what makes me different. 530 in the morning is what makes me different. My consistency in knowing that I am nothing without him and my willingness to do whatever he says whenever he says it is what makes me different. And the giftings on my life that are different than the giftings on your life is what make me different. I'm not better. I'm not more anointed. I might be more surrendered. And I might be more sensitive. But I am not uh, the chosen one like Neo in the Matrix. I'm not, I ain't nothing like that. Frodo with the ring or something. I ain't like that. <clears throat> he gave these gifts so that we could work, edify, and build. I need to be equipped and edified, but I also need to be equipping and edifying others. And my role as the leader of this church is to make sure that this body is equipped and edified to build the kingdom. One of the worst things that happens is that people think that because I'm not called to lead a church or I'm not called to preach from the pulpit or I'm not gifted to sing or, or I'm not gifted to lead a life group when the reality is is far more people are called and equipped to lead a life group than they ever want to admit. But I'm looking at the screen, not anybody in here for that reason. You know what I'm saying? But 
Just saying. But it's because I'm not called to do that. Or I'm not, I can't get up there and preach. Or I can't, I can't remember Scripture. Or I can't explain Scripture. Or I can't do all the, or I can't pray on a mic. And I don't know how that, I'm just not as important. No, that's a lie from the enemy. Because the truth of the matter is, is that while I can get up here and preach and quote and sing and all that kind of stuff, you know what I'm not the best at? I've had to learn and grow in a ton is loving people. Like that is an area of I've had to grow in as a pastor because I didn't, period. Like I just didn't. I wanted to get up here and do the ministry and then go seek God, go do my thing, and then come back and do the ministry. I didn't love people. So God had me work at a pawn shop for three and a half years to teach me to love people. Because if you can love pawn shop customers, you can love anybody. <laughs> one, one day after Christmas, December 26th, I'm standing at the counter. And a man walks in with a bag and his five-year-old son next to him crying. As the man pawns every Christmas gift the little boy got the day before still in the boxes. And we don't need to speculate on what he was pawning it for. You can tell. And there was such an anger that rose up on the inside of me that I couldn't wait on him. I walked away and made somebody else do it. Because I refused to empower him and enable him is what I said in the moment. And my boss at the time, Jimmy Keller, pulls me aside and says, and he wasn't, he's not a pastor, right? He says, hey, I thought Jesus was moved with compassion. I had no answer. I just walked off because I knew there was something in me that was not capable of building him yet. When what did he need? 1 Thessalonians 5.11. But I couldn't give it to him. Because I hadn't been built on enough. So God put me in a season I didn't want to be in to build something in me for this season I'm in right now. But I have had to grow. I've had to be built upon. That's probably the biggest thing I learned from being under Pastor Derek is how to love people. Because I wasn't the most, I, 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 I loved leaders. I love people that could be trusted with the way to the ministry, but the random person in the back row of the church, I, didn't, I, I wasn't drawn to them. I learned one time the power of one compliment to one person once a year, right? I walk into youth one Wednesday night, and there's this 13-year-old little girl, and she comes in, and she had just had her hair colored or whatever. She's like her first big girl haircut, got the hair dye and everything. And I walked in, and I said, oh, girl, your hair looks pretty tonight. My girl fixed her hair the exact same way for five weeks in a row. <laughs> when I was just like trying to be nice, same way, five weeks in a row, five Wednesdays in a row, and made sure that I saw her every Wednesday because apparently nobody at home was complimenting her and giving her any value or any worth, and I was the first person to say something with no strings attached, and so she wanted more of it. But if I didn't learn how to love people, I would have never been sensitive enough to the heart of God to step in in that moment, and that person would have never been built. He has to build me. He has to build you. 
You are called to work for the Lord. You're called to build regardless of what your giftings might be. I can tell you right now, one thing I know I am not gifted to do is nursery. In children's church, I'm not gifted to do it. I'm just not. (laughs) Brianna is anointed from the Lord on high. My girl got a daycare in her own house. She is anointed to love kids who might not get any love. Raph is anointed to allow a daycare in his house. <laughs> he, don't do, he don't do much with it, but he is there. I say, I can't do that. But somebody can. And I'm so thankful that every Sunday while I'm up there preaching to the congregation, there's, there's somebody loving on my babies in the back. And see, what I tell people when, they, when we do volunteer sign up or, or, hey, we need help in this area or things like that, I try to cast a vision for the point that, see, when you're in nursery missing service, not being in worship and you're missing it, what you don't know is that that woman who's in the domestic uh, violence relationship that can't seem to get away snuck away to church this morning because he was too drunk to wake up and drop that baby off who cries all night and the fact that you can watch that baby and change that baby for an hour and a half means that woman gets to hear the gospel and feel the love of God in a setting she would never be able to do if that wasn't the case but instead we step back and say oh I can't do anything because I can't preach no you can change a butt see bless the Lord You can do these things where somebody else can't. Because if I had to stop and go serve in the nursery mid-message, I'd preach till 4 p.m. It wouldn't work that way. No, he puts us in the body to do all these different things together. But the problem is, is we don't ever think our job is more important because nobody's building us. I want to ask you this morning. What do you think the goal of this is? Because because the goal, if I'm building something and being built, there, you would think there are two different goals. If I am teaching someone to play piano or in lessons getting better at piano, the goal of that immediate circumstance is different. Because in one situation, I am the one doing the teaching. In the other situation, I'm the one doing the learning. So obviously, there has to be something that unites the whole thing together. Go to Ephesians 4, 13. This is a continuation of the chapter we just in. Till we all, say we all. Say it again, we all. Come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here it is. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I'm going to give you a very brief breakdown of this passage and then we'll be wrapping up. There are four things that this verse says is the goal. This is the goal of the whole thing. Number one is maturity in Christ. 
Number one is maturity in Christ. You know why? Because when I'm being built, I'm maturing. And when I am building, I'm maturing. Because, see, when I'm learning something new, I'm learning stuff I don't know. When I'm teaching it, I'm learning how to take what I've learned and make it fit to another person, which is also a learning process. When I study to preach, when I'm digging into the Word, when I study just to study, I'm growing. I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I don't study just to preach. That would be horrible if I studied just to preach. I studied to know Him. But it's maturity in Christ where it said to the measure and statue of Christ. Number two is to be able to spot deception. Because I don't know if you knew this, but we're all gifted differently, right? And I, I pray daily for the spirit of discernment to be very active and sensitive in my life. I want to be able to, to notice things quickly. But guess what? There's some people who just have street smarts. They just know. And I don't have those. Because I have been on the street. I never did that. So there have been times. I was at a Saints game one time. And this lady behind us had fallen, coming back from the bathroom. She fell and broke her wrist. It was broken. I'm, I like, like I did, it wasn't kind of broken. I, did, I wasn't, maybe it's broken. This thing, broken. And I turned around, and I was about to start ministering to her. And my buddy stops me. He says, don't minister to her. And I said, why? He said, I mean, you can pray for the hand, but don't try to talk to her. And he said, why? He said, bro, she's so high as a kite. That's why she fell and broke her wrist. She's not going to remember thing you say. If you have an actual conversation with you, you're going to waste your time. And you're going to get mad, and then the boyfriend's going to get mad, and I'm going to have to fight him for you because he's way bigger than you. That's what he said. He said, so do me a favor. Do me a favor. Don't, just don't do it. And I had a problem with that because I'm 25 years old, and I think the anointing breaks every yoke, and it's just going to be, bam, Jesus, apostle revival in a dome, right? That's just going to happen. And my boy's like, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm like, you, you, you can pray forward from a distance, like stretch your hand out like we do in church, right? But don't, don't, don't kick that amp pile. I had no clue. I had no idea. That, right? I had no clue. But then, see, that same person comes to church. True story. At a youth camp. Same guy. He's going up to somebody and saying more. Holy Spirit, person's. Out on the power of God, and water, but don't say more. Why? That's a manifestation. Watch. And I walked up and took authority over, and it stopped. See, he did. He he don't have these streets in him. I got these streets in me. He's got those streets. But if I don't have him, I'll probably get beat up at the dome. If he don't have me, he's asking for more of whatever spirit is actually tormenting this person. We need each other to be able to spot deception. Number three. Speaking the truth in love. Lord Jesus, I want to let you know right now, the Holy Spirit will never tell you to be a jerk. Like, I just want to make sure that's understood because sometimes we think that the Holy Spirit just encourages us to be mean because sin is bad and we got to be mean. No. He's never going to instruct you to be a jerk. He will have you speak with authority, but he will never ask you to speak or lead you to speak like a jerk. But, Pastor Chris, when I, when I grunt my eyebrows and 
raise my voice to put a little gravel in it. I have more authority. No, you just look dumb. <laughs> and you don't look like Jesus because I don't think Jesus went, come out of him. That's not what he did. I know he didn't. But no, I am going to speak the truth in love. And the truth of the matter is, is that not nobody, not nobody, most people won't let you speak the truth to them until they know you love them. I remember when I first came out here last July and took the church, like officially, having conversations with different people, like, what are you going to do? I'm like, not a whole lot. Like, what do you mean not a whole lot? Because I ain't doing a whole lot. Because well, they don't know me. I haven't, I haven't worked my way in and gained any trust, any loyalty, any respect yet. It's just they just coming because I got the pastor word in front of my name, which means absolutely nothing. I need to make sure that they know that I'm invested in them, that I care about their families and their marriages and their futures and their callings before I could ever say, hey, I need you to stop doing that. Some people kick in the door. I got the title. Look at me. Boom. I'm in charge. Shh. You're doing more damage than you think. And lastly is growth of the body. I would just like to make this statement clear real quick. It's time to grow. It's time. This is going to be a building moment. It's me building you, speaking the truth in love. I would like to challenge everybody in this room to start praying for an evangelistic spirit to jump on you. Right? Now, it's a light Sunday because a lot of people go out of town this weekend. But guess what? We, we kind of fill this room nice. It's nice. And when everybody's here, it feels good. We have good church. That praise God. Hallelujah. We're about to blow this wall out and spin this sanctuary. It's going to feel empty. You know how it's going to change? When you bring people that you see and you run into and you ran with and you go find them and you bring them in here. Here's the thing I can guarantee. Whatever comes off of this is always going to be true and anointed and whatever song is going to be from the heart of God. That's what I can guarantee you. But see, you don't need that to minister to them. You need what's already on the inside of you to minister to them. When you bring them here, all I'm doing is adding to it. But it's already in you. We have a goal of 100 people here by the end of the year. 100 people, including kids. We're in the 60s right now. That's 40-something people. That's nothing. Nothing. And I don't want to grow to say we got a lot of people in church. I want to grow so that we can tell Jesus that every extra person we add is one more person that was going to hell and is now going to heaven. That's why I want to grow. Because there are marriages that are broken. There are families that are being destroyed. There are addicts still addicted. There are, there are people still right now selling their bodies this weekend to try and find some substance to take the pain away from what daddy did 20 years ago. And I'm sick and tired of watching the enemy destroy a city and a nation and a generation because we are too busy being comfortable in our air-conditioned sanctuaries. When the bottom line is that people are dying and going to hell at 100 miles an hour. You know how I know that? Because you were. I was. And thank God somebody sent, that God sent somebody to find me. And See, I was in church and still going to hell. But somebody grabbed me and shook me up. Yeah, I was born again, but I didn't always live it. I, I, I came in and out. I faked it a whole bunch, but I was good at the faking. When you grow up in church, ask Joseph. If you grow up in church your whole life, you, you can do the show. 
I knew how to fall out, when to fall out, how to shake, when to shout, when not, how to lift your hands. I could do it all. I even, see, when I, I, got, I spoke in tongues at five, but I didn't, like, continue doing it. I didn't get filled again until I was 12. At 10, I would fake it because I, I wasn't the fastest, couldn't catch footballs, but I could pray in tongues. As a little 10-year-old, you better believe I could. No, I, I was faking the whole thing, lying in the house of God. But he sent people to build me, and he sent people to grab a hold of me and say, hey, you're better than this. You're more than this. And then as soon as I was built up enough to withstand the weight of somebody else, I started building other people. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of you in here that it's time to start building other people. It's time to stop being the project. It's time to stop being I'm the one that needs all the help. Girl, I need to help. Boy, I need to help. Just as much help as anybody else. But I also know I got some tools in my tool chest that I'm supposed to be building other people with. And while I'm getting help, I'm going to be doing some help. While I'm getting built, I'm going to be doing some building. But 1 Peter 4 says this, 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister, to, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. I am not asking you to do anything in and of yourself. I am asking you to be obedient and use the supplies that God gives, the strength and the ability that God gives. I can't do this. Christ in me, the hope of glory, does this. It's not me. That's sometimes that's one of the hardest things to get people to realize as the pastor is this is not me. Sure, he gave me gifts to be able to get up in front of people and not feel the need to throw up. Yeah, that, I didn't decide to do that. My dad had to give a, a best man speech at my wedding and took two nitroglycerin pills for chest pain to give a speech. My man talked for 45 seconds and was popping nitros like they were Skittles because he cannot get in front of people and talk. Does not have the ability to do it. The Lord gave me that ability. But that doesn't mean I'm better than anybody else. Now, you may be here this morning. And you might be struggling with stepping into the role of a fellow worker. See, everybody is good at being the project for the most part. When we when we broken, we know we broken, and pride is the only thing that keeps us from being helped. Right? But for the most part, people are good with being the the being worked on. But a lot of times we struggle with being the worker because I'm not good enough. I don't I don't have it all figured out. I'm not ready. Blah 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 blah. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with that, I want you to I want everybody to bow your heads first. If you're here and you can say, Pastor Chris, I've never given my life to Jesus, first and foremost. I'm not even his field yet. I'm not even his house yet. I'm not even part of his family yet. I need to give my life to him. If that's you and you're here and you say, Pastor Chris, 
I just need to surrender to Jesus. Maybe you've done it, and, and you haven't done it in a long time, and you're just struggling with it. Just raise your hand. I'd like everybody to stand this morning. Now, the Bible says that if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father, which is in heaven. I'm going to count to three, and if you raise your hand, just grab somebody and have them come up with you. If you didn't raise your hand, you still need to come up. Just do that. Actually, you know what? Look at the person standing next to you and ask them, do you need to come up there? I'll go with you. Ask them. Would you come up here? I want you all to go lead these men to Jesus. Now, while that's happening, oh, we got some more coming, huh, Luke? You pray with him. Here's what I want to do. If you're here, let them pray. But if you're struggling with being a worker, with actually doing and helping other people, you have homework today. Your homework is to go tell somebody. Your homework is to go find somebody who you know will push you and say, I'm struggling with this. Father, I pray you bless everybody today. Father, you keep them safe. Bring them back next week. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that they be fellow workers in your kingdom. God, we give them boldness and strength and confidence to be who you call them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. As the ministry continues up here. We love, I love you. See you guys next week.